0: For as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. Thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means the son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, We are in a series on the book of Acts, and... um... Uh, what we want to take a look at is is how did this early group of of believers there's maybe 120 and actually mostly of them were, were fishermen or carpenters. how did they how did they create this multiplying movement that started again as 120 and and just in a 30 year period have moved out in concentric circles as much as uh, 1500 miles away from where it started it absolutely uh, t- uh, able to take the message to uh, the, the Roman empire i mean this is absolutely phenomenal what happened mind you without the benefit of motorized transportation uh, no internet, uh, no microphone. I mean, they it just go, it just went and it went and it went, and went, and went, and so we're taking a look at the this book to kind of see, okay, what what made them tick and how'd this work out. And today's passage is one, another one of those snapshots of what the early church looked like, and uh, we got one a few weeks ago in Acts two forty two to forty seven. And uh, we're getting another one today. And, and these snapshots can be so idealistic and inspiring. I so we, we read these, we're like, man, that's the way it should be. And then you're like, hey, you want to go do that? We're like, eh, I don't, I don't, it seems kind of crazy to live like that. I mean, you're talking about common property. You're talking about, you know, selling possessions, plot of land. To I mean, like, it's great to do charity and all, but this is this is, wow. I mean, this really kind of cuts against, you know, my American individualistic right kind of deal. And so I, I don't know. And so it seems crazy. And so what I want to do today is to say, look, it's not crazy actually to live this way. And you might find, you might find that at the end that you may say it may be crazy not to live this way. Maybe not, but it's possible. So what I want to do is I want to talk about how do, were they able to live this life? What motivated them to want to live this life? Why did they live this way? And, and how do they do it? And I'm just going to go ahead and tell you just in case some of you n'ot off because it was, you know, an early morning, whatever. I'm gonna go ahead and tell you. The reason why they were able to live this way is because they had an experience of the grace of God. That's it. They had had an experience of the grace of God. Grace changes people, right? It just seems like such a mild-mannered word, but it transforms people. The apostle Paul, one of the early leaders Uh, in the church, he wrote a bunch of letters we call epistles to to the churches. And to his first um, letter to the Corinthians, he says, the grace of God upon my life has not been without effect. It's caused me to live a certain way. It's transformed me. And it's transformed specifically how this, these early group, how they viewed money and how they viewed giving. And as you experience the grace of God, in like fact, one of the ways you know how the, the, the depth of how you experience God f- works itself out in how you view money and how you view giving. And, it, and we see it, change, it changed their view of giving in three different ways. It changed their posture toward giving. It, trade the, it, it changed their procedure of giving and it changed their perspective. So we're gonna look at their posture uh, toward giving. Verse 32, uh, we see that it says, nobody saw um, any possessions as their own. They no longer saw what they had in their possession as their own. And just, they did have possessions, right? There, were, there was ownership in the sense of legal ownership, but they didn't view it ultimately or in, intrinsically as being there. They, they saw it all coming from God. And when grace comes upon you, it says, great grace came upon them. It had this view. They changed their attitude. They changed their posture toward giving, which again, is not the, the way that we naturally think. In fact, one of the first words, and I would say it's the first word that you learn on your own, is mine. Now, you may say daddy or mommy first, but that was coerced, right? <laughs> I mean, your, your parents interrogated you. you. You say daddy, say, I mean, you, they... But mine, man, you get that on your own. No one taught you that word? All time, like You put something in... Um, a child's possession, and then you just take it away. And that's how they learn that word. They don't even, it just comes from nowhere. It just comes out of the blue. My, and I remember my son, Simon, we, a few Christmases, or several Christmases ago, um, I got in this cool, mode control car. I mean, when you, as a, if you're not a parent, like, there's a, for me, sometimes I just get presents that I really want. And so I, and uh, so I, so I, you know, got the car wrapped up and gave it to him. And he opened it up. He was playing with it for a little while. And I said, and, I, and I, I said it. And I, at the same time I reached for it, I said, let me play with that. I mean, he like turned into Chucky. Like, I mean, he was just like, no, I mean, his eyes turned around. I'm mean, like, what in the world? No, easy, easy, easy. Now, if the truth be told, you and I are the same way about our stuff. There's something about ownership. In fact, this is why marketers, by the way, say 30-day money-back guarantee. Don't worry about it. Just You'll get your money back if you don't want it because they know that once it's in your possession, you won't let go of it. There's something about being in your ownership that is hard for you to let go of. There's studies done on that if you're interested in that, but you can Google it later. But the experience of grace changes your posture toward giving, because one of the ways you don't see it as your own, so you're so you're not as touchy, right? Like if you haven't had an experience of grace, you're very touchy about giving. You're very defensive about giving. In fact, some of you have your hand on your wallet right now. But you're very defensive about how this is going. You can't, you know, you go to Schnooks, you see the little guy giving, you know, like you walk around him, you go in the back door, and like you, you're very defensive about it. When you have an experience of grace, I mean, you may be sad that if you don't have change or you're not able to give, but you're not defensive, you're not, you're not touchy. Um, when, when you experience grace, it goes, it goes deeper than that. The further you move from grace, the most likely you are to think of what's in your possession as yours. So it changes your posture, changes your attitude. You don't see it as being, you're seeing it as a gift from God. Remember Scrooge? Remember that guy from The Christmas Carol? He was, he was someone who was very touchy about giving, extremely like the epitome of what we're talking about here. I mean, he would cackle over his gold coins and like he would he'd make sure that they're safe and he wouldn't let anyone, very, very touchy, very, very defensive. But then something happened one Christmas Eve And he was taken by the spirits, and uh, he was able to see uh, what a, a mess he's made of his life and his greed and his doom, and he sees his life after death. He sees the misery in other people and sees the misery of himself through his greed. He sees his grave. He sees his wasted life, and then he falls into the grave, but then he wakes up on Christmas morning. And he realizes that he wasn't actually dead. He was alive. He realizes he didn't lose his money. He still has it. He realizes that even though he, he hasn't treated people well, there's still a chance. And what happens to him? He gets, he's gleeful and he's scheming, but it's not about keeping the money. It's actually he's wanting to give it away. Well, what happened to him? What changed? He had an experience of Grace he had an undeserved second chance. And now he's filled with joy in giving. He's, he's not defensive. He's not touchy. He's, he's, he's loose with it. He's just kind of like, he's, he's careless almost. Now, if Scrooge can be that way through the grace of a second chance, how much more should you and I be that way through the grace of Jesus Christ? Because he just doesn't give us a second chance, Right? That's not what that's not the deal. If you're new to Christianity, that's not the deal. In fact, I will say this, and you're gonna to have to stay with me. Most people, when I said this last service, they looked at me in blank stares and thought they were gonna rush the stage and beat me up. But hold stay with me for a second. If all Jesus did, if all Jesus did was show us an example of generosity and then gave us a second chance, I wish he had never come. If all he did was give us a model of generosity and gave me a second chance, I wish he had never... Here's why. A second chance isn't going to do me any good. Give me a second chance, I'll mess that up. Give me a third chance, give me a hundred, give me a million chances. I will still fall short of his example because his example doesn't encourage me, it crushes me. It doesn't inspire me, it makes me feel even worse about myself. But ultimately, though, this isn't, when it comes to giving, this isn't about the action you and I take. This is about the action that he took on our behalf. You see, because the Bible says that he didn't just, when he died on the cross, he didn't just take away the bad stuff and give us a second chance. He did take away the bad stuff. He took away our sin, our past sin, our present sin, and our future sin. And he gave us his perfect record. That's what's so mind-blowing about the, the grace of God has all these corridors and, and, and just ex- explodes with, he, he, we will never be as generous as he was. He was generous on our behalf. Let me show you one of the things. This is what Paul was getting at. He says, for you know by the grace of our Lord Jesus, for you know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ you know what I'm talking about that though he was rich yet for your sake he became poor so that you might so that so that you by his poverty might become rich. So he when talking about giving he didn't say come on guys you need to give. Don't you see I can't you know look at all the children that who need your help. Look at the look at the vision we're about. He didn't guilt them into giving. He just reminded them of God's grace. Because your experience, if you, the the deeper you experience grace, naturally, the more generous you'll be. It'll change your posture and how you think about your stuff because you won't think about it this way. Jesus said something very similar in, in the gospels. You might remember this story as I'm talking about. There was a time where he was eating dinner at this uh, Pharisee's house. A Pharisee was like, you know, they were like super, um, religious and no fun to be around, and so we. So th- this woman, this woman of the city, which doesn't th- doesn't mean she liked urban areas. It means she was a, she was a prostitute. She comes, and and like begins to weep at Jesus's feet. She begins to cry and begins to wash his feet and anoint his feet and kiss his feet and just begins to to, to all this lavish love. And this Pharisee guy was like, oh my gosh, if, if he only knew who this woman was, he wouldn't get anywhere near her. And Jesus comes, as, is like, well, let me tell you a story. There's a guy who owned 50 days wages and he got forgiven of that. But then there was another guy who was forgiven of 500 days wages and he forgave him that too. Now, which of the two would love the master more? And the guy was like, "Uh, I guess the one who was forgiven more. And Jesus is like, ding, 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 ding. You answered correctly. This woman has been washing my feet. You didn't wash my feet. This woman kissed my feet. You haven't even given me a fist pump. You have not... You've had a very shallow experience of grace. You think that you earn what you have. She knows that she's had this deep, deep experience of grace. And because her experience of grace is deeper, so is her worship, so is her generosity, so is her giving. There is a correlation between how you give and your experience of grace, which has everything to do with how you experience God. Has everything to do of how you relate to God. It, it it demonstrates how you really feel about who God is. It's the bottom line. Remember, like I, I had, a, I grew up in business, right? I, that's my background. My background is business. Um, I studied finance in school, which is not nearly as exciting as it sounds. In but the. And one of the things, we would analyze companies and you would look at like management practices and you look at market factors and different things. But what you really wanted to know, what you really wanted to know in analyzing a company is how much money they made. It was the bottom line. Money was the bottom line in looking at a company. Do you know that the Bible, you may be surprised to know this, the Bible says the exact same thing about you says, your bottom line in life is your money. Yeah, you may say you love God. You may say he means a lot to you, but the bottom line is demonstrated in how you give. This is what Jesus said. Just so you don't get mad at me. For where your treasure is, where your money is, where does your, where's your money going? Wherever your money goes, that's where you'll find your heart. That's what'll find what you really love. That's what'll find what you're really passionate about. So where does money go effortlessly? Like no one has to like challenge you to give, like it could be in a house, it could be in a car, it could be in clothes, it could be in a lot of different things. It could be in food. Where does money go effortlessly? That's where your heart is. That's your bottom line why Jesus when you know he's talking man, remember that story when he was talking to the rich young ruler, you know this guy was like man he was he he obeyed all the rules, he dotted every i, he crossed every t he 's like what, hey, what do I need to do to be saved? Jesus is like, just sell everything and give your money to the poor, and then you 'll be saved basically which see i 've always read that i'm like man, that's harsh like i didn 't do that i 've never done that i mean we, we 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 call people to a relationship with Jesus, and I never have said, hey, Man, some of you, you're, you're feeling a tug in your heart. You feel like you wanna start, following. here's all you have to do. Just get, get, all, take, get all your bank accounts, get, empty them all, sell your house, sell your car, and just bring your money next week and you'll be in. <laughs> <laughs> That's a harsh thing to say. It, seems, it feels harsh. But I don't know that Jesus is actually going to follow through on that. I, here's what I think he's saying. He's saying, until you're willing to sell everything, you don't really understand what I'm offering you. Because at other times he would say the kingdom of God is like the pearl of great price. Like once you get a hold of it, you'll sell everything you have in order to get it. Because money is the bottom line in our life. It demonstrates where our heart is. So it, it changed, this experience of grace changed their posture. They changed them from like thinking they owned it to like, hey, this is God's money and, and uh, this, it causes them to think differently about ownership. It also changed their procedure. Before grace, generosity is passive and spontaneous. People have to find us, right? If they come and they, and they tug at the right heartstrings, if they cast the right vision, if they do the right things, and if they find me on a good day, right, then maybe I'll give something. And so in our heart, we're generous because we're willing to give, but we're not, we're not actually being proactive and intentional about it at all. When when Scrooge had his second very shallow experience of grace, he began to scheme on how he could be more generous, and that's what happens when you when you experience the grace of God, you begin to scheme on how you could be more generous. This is taught all throughout uh, the Bible, in the Old Testament and the New Testament. You may have heard something called the tithe, which is a which means ten percent. It's a percentage, but the real thing about the tithe was that it was a priority. It wasn't, so the, the idea was it was an agriculture society and you gave first fruits, you gave the first of what you have and then you lived on the rest. A lot of times we will, we will fund our lifestyle. What do we need to live on? And then we'll give God leftovers. And, and the, the Bible teaches, no, there's a, when the grace of, there's intentionality. The intentionality is like, I give to God and my lifestyle goes uh, is served by the rest. And the more that we make, if, it, if you're giving is grace, like if your are giving is based on legalism, like you're trying to, to fulfill some, some standard so that you can feel good about yourself or you're giving to some need so that you can think um, you're a nice person. You guys are maybe too young to remember this but there was, Jerry Lewis used to do these telethons and at the end he would say, let me tell you why you should give. He'd look in the camera with this tie undone and he'd look at the camera and he'd say, here's why you should give. So you can look in the mirror and you could say, I'm a good person, which actually is a fine thing to say because there is levels to that, but it's, it's based upon guilt, it's based upon performance and a standard. But if your if you're giving is based upon the grace and experience of grace, one of the things you'll find you'll be more intentional, you'll be more generous. Also, as you make more, you'll, you'll give more, not just give more because the amount. Was reflecting the percentage, but actually, your percentage, the piece of the pie, will get bigger. And here's why. Here's why. Because you, because God's grace changes our perspective that we are not owners of what we have, but God owns everything. Right? So if you get, if you have increased, meaning if you get a better job or you get a raise, who's responsible for that increase? Who caused that increase? I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. God, okay, thank you. Um, so God did. And so one of the, so here's what happens. If you get more, this is, what, this is what someone who's living in the grace of God does. God has already been good to me. He was just more good to me just now. He, he poured more grace in my life. Will cause you to be more generous. If you think like, oh, of course I got a raise. I'm, I, I work hard. I studied. I studied. I, I, I performed well. I hit my numbers. I, I did what I was supposed to do. I deserve this race. That will lead you down another track. It changes your posture. It, it, it takes you from being untrusting to trusting. I mean, here's this guy, um, uh, Barnabas, who's obviously a very wealthy, sharp guy. He owned property. You didn't own property unless you knew some things. He sells property, and what does he do with that money after he sells it? He doesn't come to him and say, hey, give me, give me your 10-year vision. Give me a pitch. Tell me, tell me what I should, or you know, what, what are some needs that I can, this is what he does. He takes the money, and he lays it at the apostles' feet. Now, Barnabas is fully cape. He's a sharp guy, but he trusted these apostles to distribute the money And one of the things that grace, an experience of grace will do in your giving, it will take you from being untrusting to trusting. Now that isn't, another message is about leadership, accountability and transparency and all those kinds of things, but you need to know this. Listen, my responsibility to you is to help you to understand the scriptures so that you can understand who God is. And this is the Bible never ever, ever tells you to do something based upon what another human being does. The Bible always tells you to do something based upon who God is. So like, so like, um, husbands, love your wives. Why? Because they're so lovely? No. Out of reverence, now that your wife is lovely, don't, too, as well. Easy. Easy. Out of reverence for Christ. husbands or wives, respect your husbands. Why, because they're respectable? No, out of reverence for Christ. Everyone, submit to each other. Why, because everyone, no, out of reverence for Christ. Children, obey your parents. Why, because they are great parents. No, out of reverence for Christ. Employees, be amazing employees. Why, because you have a great boss? No, out of reverence for Christ. Obey the government. Why? Out of reverence for Christ. Follow your elders. Why? Because they're amazing leaders, full of trust, of course. (laughs) But that's not why. Out of reverence for Christ. See, grace kind of chills you out a little bit. Like if you're uptight, you're uptight because you feel like you've got to earn what you have. And if you take that dynamic into your relationship with God, it'll, it'll mess it all up. But what grace does, it, 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 it tells you, it peels back the layer and shows you what you really are, that God is, God is in, he's a big God, he's in control, and he's loved us so much that when we messed up, he came down and he died in our place, and now he who did not spare his, all, his own son, will he not give us all things? It frees us from anxiousness and worry, from having to figure everything out, Jesus even says things like this. Why do you worry? Through your worrying, could you even add one day to your life? No, you cannot. Oh, yeah, because God's in heaven, and he's in control, and da-da-da-da, and he determines our days. and It just kind of causes you to breathe a little bit. And so you're not so uptight about what you have. You're not so uptight about what... You don't feel like you have to control everything. And that's what we see here in Silly Church. They, They were just very, very... Trusting. It changes your posture, change your procedure. Finally, it changes your uh, perspective. Uh, you, we read about this in other passages, but this church was in Jerusalem, right? And uh, there is another a letter. We don't know who wrote it. It's called Hebrews. It's written to this church. And as this early church, as this church went on, and we're going to read about this in Acts 2, they came against a lot of persecution and um and, and there's a passage in Hebrews 10 you can read about this later Hebrews 10 32 to 35 they they uh they the early church found themselves in a conundrum because part some of them half of them maybe went to prison for being a christian and so they were thrown in prison now when you were thrown in prison it's not as it wasn't as nice as it is now and i'm saying prison's nice but like you were you were put in a situation to where you depended upon your friends for things like food, water, medical attention. If you didn't have friends, then you just died in prison of your medical need or or dehydration or whatever came first. So when you go to prison for being a Christian, It's risky business to go to your friends in prison to give them food and water because what are you saying about yourself? You're saying, I'm a Christian too. And if we go to them, they're gonna throw us in prison or they're gonna destroy our property or they're gonna do something bad to us. And that's exactly what happened because the text says that you had compassion on them and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property. Think about that for a second. What would cause you right now to joyfully accept the plundering of your property? For you knew that you had a better possession and an abiding one, one that was gonna last forever. They had an eternal perspective. Now I'm gonna show you an illustration with a rope. And um, I need a volunteer, please. No, I'm just kidding. You don't. But um, I, this is not an illustration that I came up with. I got this from a, a famous pastor named Francis Chan. He's not actually famous. He's just Christian famous. But he did this. is where I got this illustration. And so the first thing you have to do is you have to imagine with me. You gotta, can you use your imagination a little bit? Can you do that? OK, thank you. So imagine, first of all, you've got to imagine this rope goes on forever. It doesn't. It ends right there with Dan. Everybody say hi to Dan. Hi, Dan. Uh, it ends over there with Dan. But imagine this rope lasted forever. Now, this rope, the other thing you gotta imagine, this rope is a timeline. It's a timeline of your existence that, what, goes on forever, right? This, this red part right there represents the few years that you have on earth, okay? Now, What blows my mind is that most of us think and strategize and stress over that part and like give nothing to this part. Like this thing that just keeps going and we give nothing to, it. but we really, we think, we you know if I if I study really hard right here, then then right here I can have this, 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 and this. And if I do things even better than this life, you know, I'll be able to vacation, I'll be able to, I'll be able to live in this kind of house, this car, this kind of not thinking anything about this. Now, the early church, when faced with do I want to be comfortable in this life? I think Jesus said once that if I give up homes and mothers and brothers and sisters and husbands and spouses and that in the life to come, he's gonna give it all back a hundredfold. I will joyfully accept the plundering of my property because I know I have a better possession and abiding one. Now, let me ask you a question. Who's crazy The one who focuses all of their energy and all their time on this are the one who focuses their time and energy on this. When you experience grace, this is what happens to you. God allows you to see what ultimate reality is. See, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and life, which is another way of saying, like, I am what's real, and when you connect with me, you connect with ultimate reality. You see things for how they are. And when you experience the grace of God, you begin to see that you don't own anything. You can't even, you can't even, you can't even add a day to your life. See, Jesus also told a parable about the rich fool. And the rich fool was someone who said, he, he did really well with his job, and he's like, I got all this grain. What am I going to do with it? I got to build bigger barns and bigger barns and bigger barns. And one day, this, this guy said, hey, you have ample goods for yourself. Eat, drink, and be merry. And God says, you fool. Why was he a fool? Because he was rich toward himself, but he didn't think anything about this. God's grace wants to change your perspective, to change your perspective how you view your life that you're not focused on the here and now but you're focused on your existence which goes on for millions and, millions and millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of years why would we why would we get so focused on this it's grace listen it's grace to us that god would allow us to Take our attention from this and bring it to the other. The enemy of your soul is a liar and deceiver and wants to keep you focused on the red part. And God's grace wants to show you the rest of the rope. Why don't you stand with me? It could be that you found this sermon to be very irritating. If you found this sermon to be irritating, um, the the action for you isn't to um, give more. Actually, that's not the point of the message. The point of the message isn't that you would give more. The point of the message is that you would have a deeper experience of the grace of God. And that you your irritation and defensiveness over a topic like this would just reveal to you that there are deeper waters to swim in, that you've been over in the shallow pool. See, even when I say that, if you think this way, you're probably feeling condemned, which is the cycle that legalism plays with our mind. Because if you're defensive and irritated, it's because you think that you have to earn something in your life, that you have to make something of yourself, that you have to do something to earn acceptance and favor and security. And anytime anyone comes along and says that you're not meeting that standard, it causes you to be wrecked inside. See, what grace comes along and says, look, you'll never hit that standard. You could give all your money away to the poor, and you still wouldn't hit the standard. Jesus would say, look, it's not about you achieving and performing and doing. It's about what I've done for you. And when we come to these places, God's grace it reveals to us that there's something clogged in our heart. There's something where we've, where we've gone off track. We started well. We started with, oh, my gosh, I'm, I'm a sinner. Jesus, I need you. you I, I want to repent from my life of sin, and I want to turn to you. And there are times where we just get away from God's grace and we get back into thinking that we have to earn something. And we find messages so on money so irritating, I think, because it really gets to the bottom line. And it makes us feel bad. I don't want to make you feel bad. God doesn't want to make you feel bad. He wants you to experience his goodness and grace. So can we just look to him and say, just confess that maybe we don't, maybe we haven't experienced God like we thought we had. Maybe we're not even, maybe we haven't even received him. Maybe we've just gone to church and done Christian things, but actually haven't received his grace ever. It's always been about doing. It's always about what we do. But Christianity isn't about what we do. It's about what he has done for us. It's about receiving. It's not about giving. We we receive for God's love of the world that he gave. We receive. He's the giver, we're the receiver. He owns everything. He doesn't need money from us. If I was hungry, he says in the Psalms, I wouldn't come to you. I own the cattle on a thousand hills. But he wants to he wants to give us something in our life, practical to demonstrate where our heart really is. Is our heart with him? Is our heart with something else? And money is the bottom line. The way we, our attitude toward giving is the bottom line of how we view God. And please don't feel condemned by that. The point isn't to guilt you. The point is to help you to see, oh God, I need you. I need to experience you in, way, I need to experience you in a deeper way. I've just been, in, I've been, I've been swimming in shallow waters and there's so much more than for you have for us. Jesus, we just thank you that your response to our rebellion was to die in our place and you paid for our sin and you give us your perfect record. God, I just pray for my brothers and sisters here today that we would have a deeper experience of your grace.